need to understand that she is an alive being, that she is our mother, that she nurtures. And we need to stop these types of TPP or any type of agreement really. We need to move beyond this type of economy. We don't need this, not anymore. This is not sustainable and we can do better for sure. And I believe that we will win because we love life more than anybody else. Thank you. A mass action against the Trans-Pacific Partnership Treaty and opponents of the takeover of PEPCO by Exelon speak out. All that and more coming up next. Welcome to Thursday's Community Watch and Comment, the on-the-ground edition for November 19, 2015 on WPFW 89.3, Jazz and Justice Radio in the nation's capital, on the ground and on the ground show.org are devoted to coverage of social justice activism on the streets and in the suites of power. I'm Esther Avera. And I'm Chantal James. And as the world continues to reel from the terror attacks that have killed hundreds in Paris, Beirut, Turkey, and those traveling aboard a Russian airliner, activists marched in D.C. this week against economic violence, the violence within the Trans-Pacific Partnership Treaty, a global corporate takeover that is flying under the radar as Congress must vote in the coming weeks to approve it or not approve it. In the meantime, Western leaders are bombing ISIS locations in Syria, lobbying for increased surveillance powers, debating whether Syrian refugees can find refuge in the U.S. And I think that we launched the invasion of Iraq that has thrown the Mideast into such turmoil and chaos. Well, also in the second half, what's next for activists opposing the takeover of our utility, PEPCO, by the Chicago nuclear giant Exelon? So as always, we have a lot for you in this less than an hour, including your calls in the second half. But we'll start with our headlines, topped by a mass action on Monday against the TPP that you covered. Right, Chantel? Yes. On Monday, activists from across the country and around the world gathered here in D.C. for a rally and march in protest against the Trans-Pacific Partnership, or TPP, an international trade agreement opposed by a broad coalition of activists including economists, labor leaders, environmentalists, medical professionals, and farmers. They say the TPP will take away environmental and worker protections, curtail internet freedom, and much more. I spoke to one of the participants, Virginia, who said that the TPP is about more control of the haves over the have-nots. TPP is not really a trade deal, it's a corporate takeover. It's 5,500 and some pages of baffle gap written in legalese so people don't understand it's money slots for people at the top. Maybe, and maybe the top 10% will benefit, but the people at the bottom will all get screwed. You know, in, in various ways. It, it's bad enough, you know, to watch the wealth inequality and the income inequality grow, but this will just make things so much worse. Right? How can you expect American workers to compete with Vietnamese workers making 65 cents an hour? It, it, we're, not, we're creating a, a playing field that's so uneven, no one can win, except the people at the top. 
After the rally outside the Chamber of Commerce, protesters took to the streets using such creative props as toilet paper rolls onto which the slogan, Flush the TPP, had been printed, as well as cloth lanterns that resembled toilet paper rolls and were lit from the inside. At several stops along the way, the march halted so that protesters could use sidewalk chalk to draw their messages onto the street. The protest stopped in front of the Morgan Stanley Building, where despite the presence of a guard who manhandled several protesters, the march moved into the lobby of the building. The march also stopped at Monsanto's offices, before finally arriving at the Ronald Reagan Trade Center, where there was a closing rally. Okay, thank you, Chantel, for that report. We'll actually play an extended coverage of that rally after the headlines and happenings today. Also here in the DMV, Georgetown University has agreed to rename two buildings that honor past presidents with ties to slavery following protests against racial injustice on campus. Mullody Hall and McSherry Hall are both named for former Georgetown presidents who facilitated the sale of slaves to help pay down the school's debt in the 1830s. Georgetown is among schools nationwide where students have rallied against campus racism. And a new report has criticized the Baltimore Police Department's handling of uprisings following the death of Freddie Gray in police custody. The independent review conducted by the Police Executive Research Forum found inadequate planning and training, confusion over the chain of command, and a lack of clear policies for making arrests. In other Black Lives Matter news, in Minneapolis, Minnesota, more than 50 people were arrested this week as hundreds of protesters shut down a section of highway to protest the police shooting of 24-year-old African-American Jamar Clark. Police said Clark was shot after a scuffle with officers who responded to a report of an assault. But multiple witnesses have said Clark was shot while handcuffed. Jamar Clark was reportedly taking off life support on Monday night in response to mounting protests, Minneapolis Mayor Betsy Hodges called for a federal investigation into the shooting. The protesters have continued to demand the release of video footage and the names of the officers involved. And those are our headlines and happenings. We'll be right back with our culture and media moment and side eye. Stay with us.
name, say his name. Trayvon Martin, 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 won't you say his name? Sean Bell, say his name. Sean Bell, say his name. Sean Bell, say his name. Sean Bell, won't you say his name? Say his name. 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 Won't you say his name? Okay, so now it's time for our weekly politics segment, Side Eye on 2016 with Jamila Bay and Amy Alexander, and their unvarnished analysis of the fakery, hypocrisy, and general dumbidity of the general 2016 election. So let's jump in, Jamila. What had you rolling heavy side eye in the past week? Thank you so much, Esther. Now, before we talk about last weekend's Democratic debate, I think it's appropriate that we take a moment to remember the candidacy that was in Pius Jindal. Okay, that's long enough. <laughs> Louisiana's boy wonder governor, who was a Rhodes Scholar and the great tanned hope of the GOP, blazed onto the scene and delivered a rebuttal to Obama's 2009 State of the Union address. That had been called disastrous, one of the five poorest State of the Union responses, and that it wasn't well-received. Uh, Jindal has never really recovered from that botched opportunity of six years ago, and now we bid adieu to Jindal as presidential candidate. He was tanned, rested, and perhaps not as ready for Washington as he thought himself to be. And for this he gets my super side eye. He knew he had no business trying to be president. <laughs> With his creationism supporting legitimate science denying self, I roll my eyes at you, Piyush. <laughs> now, let's talk about some quick highlights of the Democratic debate. Uh, the debate happened, of course, just one day after the terror attacks that killed more than 100 in Paris. And the debate questions were changed to begin with foreign policy, and the question in particular, how would you, as president, defeat ISIS? Clinton was measured, explanatory. She was well prepared. She had all the key points, including the, don't y'all know I was Secretary of State? I've been done dealt with them. I'll do it again. Former Governor of Maryland, Martin O'Malley, pointed out that the war on terror and against ISIS should be led by France and other countries, but that American intelligence and forces should be part of the effort, but not be the lead. Sanders took it to the history books. He brought up that he voted against the war in Iraq and that throughout history, in Iran, Chile, Guatemala, elsewhere, he has been no fan of regime change. And the candidates went on about how they're distinct one another, and they took the opportunity to few out, to, forgive me, to throw out a few choice bits about where they stand. Bernie Sanders <laughs> threw down the gauntlet and said, Wall Street will not be in my cabinet. Mm -hmm. Indeed. So yeah. one moderator did ask Sanders, she jumped in to say, well, what in Clinton's record illustrates that she's beholden to Wall Street? And Sanders sort of punted that one in terms of specifics. Uh, but perhaps the biggest moment in the debate had been made by O'Malley. It wasn't on a policy issue, however. It was a pretty well-laid ad hominem attack. That immigrant bashing carnival barker Donald Trump. The truth of the matter is. There we have it. I had to throw some side eye on the Democratic debate. Uh, two now on the books. Another GOP contender is 
contender is down and fighting terror is on the hearts minds and debate stages of the world so amy tell me what are your picks Amy's on well, the line. Okay. Uh, yeah, I, I am on the line, but I, I'm Jamila, if you wouldn't mind reading my picks. Uh, basically, you know, they cover the Donald Trump rant. If you want to just dive in there, I'm, I'm having problems with my technology here just now. So All right. I'll, I, so, I'll throw oh, I, so I know that you, you wanted to touch on Trump's Iowa thing. Yeah. And you said that last Thursday night he was scheduled to hold a, a so-called town hall meeting in Iowa in which he was supposed to give a talk, then take questions. And instead he went on a 95-minute long rant about his GOP rival, Ben Carson. That's right. And it was epic, epic in terms of its mean-spiritedness and schoolyard bully tone. He veered from a wacky and uninformed tirade about how he would bomb the curse word out of Syria in order to apparently eradicate ISIS and presumably every other innocent resident of that country to all but accusing his closest GOP rival, Dr. Ben Carson, of being a psychopathic. Hmm. Yeah. Oh, and so I guess they have some brief uh, snippet of that tirade from Trump. I would bomb the out of him. How stupid are the people of Iowa? How stupid are the people of the country to believe this crap? Now, you know, admittedly, Dr. Carson has said some strange and unfortunate things lately, um, including, as you may remember, that the pyramids of Egypt are hollow and they're used to store grain and that only had the Jews used guns, they would have stopped those Nazis from committing the Holocaust. But Trump, um, you you can't even hardly wrap your head around that long rant. Basically, it was a temper tantrum uh, that he called Carson a criminal, said he has pathological sicknesses like pedophiles. And then he ragged on his host. He, 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 He talked about the people of Iowa wanting to know if they are really stupid enough to fall for Carson instead of supporting him, the Don, the Trump. Uh, it, it really was a bizarre spectacle, and uh, that that's some serious side eye right up in there. Yeah. Well, the uh, we're going to have to finish up our side eye right now, but uh, hopefully you can join us in the studio next week, Amy. Yes, I apologize for the for the transportation snafu, but it was a, basically it was a really it was just a jam packed week, you know, and topped off by the tragedy in Paris, and now of course we're entering the the period of blame where uh, so many politicians, particularly specifically on the on the right, are uh, moving toward blaming the president. And um, it's all, it's enough to just make you roll your eyes so hard you give yourself a headache. You okay. Know? Well, so, well uh, don't get a headache out there. Yeah. <laughs> we thank you for, for hanging in there with, with the red line and uh, hope everything <laughs> works out. So uh, sure. when we come See back, time. okay, yes, more voices against the TPP in D.C. Stay with us.
This is Thursday's Community Watch and Comment, the On the Ground edition. I'm Esther Rivera. And I'm Chantal James. Well, this is the third week of the month when we do our special segment, The F Word, that explores fascism and pre-fascism today. Our touchstone is the statement by 1960s revolutionary George Jackson, who defined fascism as the complete control of the state by monopoly capital. He said that fascism is the last stage of capitalism in the heart of the U.S. imperial center, where the relationship between the state and the corporation becomes indiscernible. And we try to stay faithful to our segment, and so for today, while we don't have a guest, we'll be playing more voices from this week's rally against the Trans-Pacific Partnership Treaty, which organizes a fall rising described as a global corporate takeover. As Western leaders are bombing ISIS locations in Syria, lobbying for increased surveillance powers, debating whether Syrian refugees can find refuge here in the U.S., the... Activists marched in D.C. this week against economic violence, the violence within the Trans-Pacific Partnership Treaty that is kind of flying under the radar right now as all the talk is about terrorism, physical violence, uh, even though Congress must vote in the coming weeks to approve it or not approve it. Here are more voices from Fall Rising. Standing in front of the Chamber of Commerce because this institution which houses uh, many corporations who are directly influencing our laws have been telling the American people that agreements like the Trans-Pacific Partnership are going to help our economies. And we know that these agreements are going to hurt our economies, hurt our workers, hurt our communities, prevent us from passing laws to protect public health and safety. So I want to bring up a few speakers tonight who are going to speak and explain to you more about why we are here to oppose the Trans-Pacific Partnership. Chuck Slacken is the assistant to the president of the American Postal Workers Union, which is under attack, and we must protect it. Okay, well, I'm pleased to be here, not just on behalf of the 500,000 people who work for the Postal Service in this country, but for the millions of people that we serve every day. We deliver to 155 million street addresses every day. Thank you! The Postal Service is actually older than the United States. And in recent times, it's been under attack by privatizers, people who want to get their hands on this public service and turn it into a money-making money operation, and that means that the mandate to deliver to everybody in this country, regardless of where they live, who they are, whatever station they are in life, that they're entitled to get mail service, but once that becomes uh, the object of making money, it'll only be, be delivered to the profitable areas, not the rural areas, not the inner cities. So what we've been up against is people want to get their hands on the Postal Service and they're using things like the TPP, Fast Track, the so-called trade deals that will follow that to destroy the Postal Service. To say that serving the people of this country would be in effect damaging private corporations. Because we would have the advantage of being able to deal uh, in every location. It's an outrage. 
the theft and service, I mean the trade and services agreement which will follow will just destroy the postal service and all kinds of things in the public good. So it's really important to be out here today to carry the message that this is unacceptable to the people of this country, to the working people of this country. Thank you all. Eugene Perrier with the Answer Coalition fighting racism and talk about the Trans-Pacific Partnership and why you're here. Well, thank you to the good doctor for that introduction. I think the first thing I want to say is we don't need international trade agreements. We need international solidarity between working people. I, I saw a good sign that said, don't export our broken system. And I think that applies to so many different things. I mean, they say, oh, well, there's going to be better labor rights because it's going to be U.S. standards. A country where you can barely even unionize. What kind of labor rights are those to export? A country where in every single city they're trying to drive down wages, not lift them up. That's what these agreements are about. They're not about improving the lives of workers in any part of the world, but it's about a race to the bottom to put everybody on an equally terrible footing so that anywhere you want to go in the world, you can exploit people as much as you possibly can. At the same time, you, uh, uh, that you are absolutely hypocritical by saying that if I take a billion dollars and I go to Mexico and I build a factory, I'm a great human being that's pushing forward trade and markets and all of that. But if I come from Mexico to the United States to feed my family, I'm a criminal. That's the type of system that is not only hypocritical, but it's a type of violence against working class and oppressed people all around this world. Thank you all. What, I'm a physician, and one of the reasons I got involved in this fight is because of what the Trans-Pacific Partnership is going to do to our healthcare system and healthcare systems all around the world for exporting our failed model. And I want to introduce Zahara Heksher, who's a very eloquent speaker, who can speak personally about how this will harm her and others. I get it, Chamber of Commerce. I get it. I get it. Your job is to spin this thing as if it's going to help small business. We know that's not right. This is about the representing the interests of the giant U.S. companies and the companies that actually don't have an allegiance to the United States. They go wherever they can make a buck. That's your job, Commerce, uh, Chamber of Commerce. As a mom, here's my job. One, be the best mother I can be for my son. Two, live as long as I can. Three, while I am alive, work to make this planet better so I can leave my son a better planet. That is all of our jobs. We might not get paid for it, but that is our job today. And the most important part of that job today is telling Congress, don't pass the TPP. Yeah. I would like to invite Jim Goodman up from the Family Farm Defenders. He's an organic dairy farmer who came all the way from Waniwak, Wisconsin to be with us. Thanks for being here, folks. I'm just reading a book about the Gilded Age, and you know we're in the Gilded Age again. You know we've got this one percent, and we've got the rest of us. The Chamber of Commerce supports the one percent, and what they want is corporate control of our food system, corporate control of our medical system, corporate control of everything. It's not they want just a little bit of this or a little bit of that. They want it all, and they have plans to get it, and we have to stop it. We have to stop TPP. We have to stop TISA. We have to stop TTIP. We failed on other trade agreements. They've gone through, and they've not been good for us. 
Now, if you want to know where your food comes from, if you want local food instead of global food, TPP is not for you because they just want you to have food. And they want you to pay for it. You remember the Woody Allen movie where in the future and he went in this grocery store and there was a shelf that had boxes of dried stuff and it said food. And then he went down an aisle and had canned stuff and it said food. That's what the future of food is going to be if we continue to let the Chamber of Commerce push the agenda of multinational corporations. Now later tonight we're going to go and stop in front of Monsanto who's pushing GM products on the rest of the world. Small farmers in Africa, India, the Philippines, people who don't want this stuff, but they're forced to do it. Now as, as little power as I have as a small farmer, small farmers in the rest of the world have much less. At least if I go out of business I have my land to sell, but they get pushed off their land, they get thrown off. They have nothing. They go to the slums in India in Bombay, wherever, because they have nothing. We have an immigration problem in this country. Why do you think part of that is? Because we exported our cheap grain and pushed Mexican farmers off the land. And then they came to the United States to try and find jobs. So all these problems we have, all these problems are in effect caused by our crappy trade policies. And it's time to say no. It's time to stop it. Say no to TPP. No to TPP. No to TPP. Well, the TPP is going to harm our internet freedom, and to tell us about that is Myra Sutch. She's a global policy analyst for Electronic Frontier Foundation. So the EFFI organization, we're based in San Francisco, and I flew out here for this event because we've been following the TPP for several years and other trade agreements that export that export our digital policies that make our rights less and less free online. Some of the provisions that are in there would make it a crime for you to repair your device, to repair your device because it comes with code, and it's a crime for you to unlock the code. And so when we're talking about the Internet of Things, when our heaters are coming with code, our cars, our uh, books, our e-books, our video game consoles, we are, we are becoming criminals for repairing and changing the things that we've legitimately purchased. And when we're talking about our culture, because we you know, experience culture online, like photos and videos and songs, when it's a crime for you to change and, and take snippets of that for your video or for your class, if you're a teacher, or if you're someone with visual disabilities and you want to change the format of a book so you can listen to it, when it's impossible and when you're a criminal for doing that, all bets are off. And we lose more, as we lose more and more rights on the internet space, we lose more and more rights in the physical space. And the other thing that we saw has implications for our privacy online. And so, and so EFF, even though you know, we're, we are sort of famous for suing the NSA, uh, we've been suing the NSA since 2006, we're also concerned about agreements like the TPP because it will make our freedom of expression uh, doubtful. It'll make our privacy difficult to protect, and it'll make it a crime for us to interact with culture online. So, so we want to we want to kill the TPP as much as everybody, and uh, we're aligned with everybody with the environmental organizations, the labor unions, and everybody who want to fight this a, a deal. And we want to get Congress to vote no on the TPP. No on the TPP. No on the TPP.
traveled at great peril to bring us a message from his country because his borders are closed and people are not able to get their story out. So I would like to invite Herman Wenge from West Papua to please come up and say a few words. Thank you, brothers and sisters, for having me to share long suffering for my people because of multinational cooperation. In my country, in West Papua, there are a lot of human rights abuses. My country occupied by Indonesian government. Last month, in October, inside this building, inside this building, the current president of Indonesia joined TPP. That's why today I stand together with you in international solidarity to say no for for what? Yes, because you know, as a former political prisoner, I come from that difficult situation. I bring my message to you today in this beautiful country. I can say, but I don't want. My people still continue with suffering because of multinational corporations right. supporting the military operation in my country. Just one case. If you want to know about what's happening in my country, you can type torture in West Papua, genocide in West Papua. You can find a lot of report, but no international pressure is my country because Indonesian government banned a lot of international journalists to visit my country. That's why I escaped from my country because used traditional boat to Australia. And I come to United because no one hear about that problem. That's why behind this building, I would like to raise my concern, please. Concern about human life, not about million monies. Thank you. No yeah. Word of it, not a friggin' word. And so, 
The people of this country, they're on our side on this issue. The working people have had to suffer as a result of these trade agreements. As that banner says across the street, TPP equals betrayal. We expect more from this person that many of us voted for in the White House. We expect more from the Democratic Party. And we are not going to be quiet about this. And if they expect people to come out at the polls, they better inspire the people to come out to the polls. Because the people have had it. They've suffered enough. And we don't want any more versions of Republican Party light. We want the real deal. Somebody's going to stand up for the working people of this country and care about the human rights of the people in these other countries that we take advantage of so that we can consume and consume and consume. It's, it's wrong. It's immoral. And I honestly, I just happened to be around the corner and I heard you here. And I saw the banner and I went, oh, this is so cool. And, uh, they, uh, it's, uh, it's, it's just, I'm really, I'm proud of all of you. Honored to stand amongst you, uh, here today. And let's, let's not give up on this fight. We're on the right side. We're on the right side of history. We're on the right side of what is good and right and moral. And we cannot let them get away with this again. You only have to look at Flint and Detroit, which have not recovered, to see the damage that was done in the name of trade and in the lie of making it better for people in other countries. So please keep this fight going. I'm with you. I'll do what I can, and we'll spread the word. Let's never give up. Let's organize. We are on the right side of history. Thank you very much. For those of you who don't know who I am, I just want to let you know that I'm Margaret Flowers. I'm the co-founder of Popular Resistance, and I'm running for U.S. Senate in Maryland. And I think it's so beautiful. There's one gift that the Trans-Pacific Partnership has given to us. It's given us a movement of movements. It has brought people together who care about health care and food safety and the environment and internet freedom and workers, you name it. And we are growing and we are going to continue to grow and fill the streets because it is only through resistance that we will overcome the power of these transnational corporations and beat back these types of international treaties and demand that people and the planet come before profit. People over 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 profit. Hi, everybody. My name is Donnie. I live in Lesby, Maryland, Southern Maryland, about an hour and a half south of here. We have an LNG export terminal that's being constructed in our community. It's the only one in the world that's being constructed at all, even proposed in a place that's nearly at all densely populated. There's more than 8,000 people in the evacuation zone and 1,000 people who could be instantly incinerated if, it, if the worst case scenario happens of an explosion there. It's a really big deal that a, local, a lot of local people have really like, fought hard the last few years to stop. And check out weirdcopoint.org for more information. But yeah, thanks for organizing all this. This is awesome. The TPP obviously is going to do a lot 
to change the natural gas stuff that's been happening the fracking all over the U.S., the exports. We need to get stopped before it even starts. This is a huge deal. Thank you all for coming out for this, for sure, and having me. We've seen this happening in other countries around the world, and we have with us someone from Ecuador. And uh, Ecuador has certainly been overrun with transnational corporate power like Chevron, and maybe Mimi would like to say a word about why she's here marching with us to stop the Trans-Pacific Partnership. We need to especially recognize that these types of corporations target people of color. That's right. Indigenous communities. That's right. And we need to stand with them to fight because they are already very courageous enough to do it by themselves. But we need to join in solidarity. Because we are one. We are Earth citizens. And we need to embrace this citizenship that Mother Earth has gave us to us. And the Earth is weeping. And it's weeping blood. It's crying, and we need to understand that she is an alive being, that she's our mother, that she nurtures. And we need to stop these types of TPP or any type of agreement, really. We need to move beyond this type of economy. We don't need this, not anymore. This is not sustainable, and we can do better, for sure. And I believe that we will win because we love life more than anybody else here. Thank you, Bibi. Let's keep the energy going. Let's keep the resistance growing. Because we will win. 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 This is Thursday's Community Watch and Comment, the On the Ground edition. You just heard voices from Fall Rising, this week's mass action against the Trans-Pacific Partnership held here in the nation's capital. Special thanks to Chantel James for her reporting. When we return, what happened this week at the one and only hearing about Mayor Bowser's backroom deal for the takeover of PEPCO by the Chicago nuclear giant Exelon? And you're welcome to join the discussion about the TPP or PEPCO and Exelon. Stay with us. That was Janelle Monet on Thursday's Community Watch and Comment, the On the Ground edition, on thegroundshow.org. I'm Esther Averam. And I'm Chantal James. Well, before the break, we heard 
those awesome voices from this week's Mass Action Against the Trans-Pacific Partnership Treaty, or the TPP. And in this half, we're in a conversation with Tim Judson, Director of the Nuclear Resource and Information Service. He testified against the merger, I should say, takeover, at the hearing on Tuesday. And he's part of Power DC, who we've talked to a lot, and an expert on Exelon's track record of arm-twisting and anti-renewable energy policies across the country. Good morning, Tim. Thanks, Esther. And you can also join the discussion by calling 202-588-0893. Well, Tim, let's just jump right in. Um, so that was the one and only hearing that I know about. Tell us what happened. Uh, well, the PSC decided a uh, few weeks ago that they were going to reopen the Exelon Pepco case uh, based on the settlement that uh, that Mayor Bowser uh, cut with uh, with Exelon and Pepco over the deal. And uh, they're doing a really truncated process. It's going to happen really fast. And uh, this time around, they only scheduled one public hearing, which happened on uh, Tuesday and Wednesday this week, um, which, you know, the first time around they had actually four separate uh, public hearings where, you know, and they were held in the evening when lots of people could come, hundreds of people turned out. Uh, this time they did it during the day uh, when people would have had to leave work. And uh, still we had, uh, I think, you know, well over 100 people come and testify. And we made a really strong showing, uh, you know, but even with several, um, you know, representatives from advisory neighborhood commissions um, coming, coming out and still testifying against the deal. Because several ANCs and also city council persons actually came out initially to oppose the deal. That's right. Uh, in fact, uh, before the PSC rendered their decision in August um, rejecting the deal, uh, by that time, 27 ANCs had weighed in against, uh, you know, against the takeover of Pepco, and which represents, you know, close to 400,000 DC residents in terms of just local grassroots governance. Um, and six uh, city council members had come out by that time. Um, so th it was really an overwhelming outpouring of opposition, and we're and we're seeing that continue. Okay, but I also know since that initial decision, which was really celebrated, that uh, it seems that Exelon went on the offensive. I heard as on other radio stations and maybe some TV stuff. I've just went on the PR offensive to try to push this deal through anyway. I just from reading online, I also know that there were apparently people hired to do canvassing and get petitions signed on the other side to support Exelon. That's right. Yeah, I mean, Exelon and Pepco are in massive crisis management control at this point. They never expected the PSC to rule against the takeover originally, and so they've been, you know, scrambling and doing everything they can, including mounting this massive, massive uh, PR offensive, uh, saturating the airwaves and the TV stations, and you know, and even you know the print media with advertisements, and uh, you know, and and uh, and also they've been hiring uh, people to go canvas neighborhoods and uh, and to and to you know to uh, give the misinformation to sign petitions. Yeah, so was the hearing you feel of substance, was it window dressing, which when you were there, do you have a sense that the the deal is done, they've already pushed this through, or are, is the commission actually still listening to residents? The commission seems very uncomfortable. Um, and I think that that's, you know, to me that's an encouraging sign because they made a really, really strong, good decision in August, and it was very principled. They did a thorough review. They they weighed, you know, the proposed, the supposed benefits of the of the takeover, and they and they and they said that look, there's there's the the risks and and harms that could, that could come about really vastly outweigh, uh, you know, the, the the supposed benefits. And the same is true with this deal, and they have to know it. Um, and you know, there's been, I think, as you as you refer 
referred to a tremendous amount of political arm twisting going on in the last couple of months. And the commission, um, there's no way that the commission is also not receiving some of that. Um, so I think that, you know, they've got a good decision to defend and, you know, and then the public is coming out and telling them that they need to. So recap for us. I know you testified this week. And so from your perspective as uh, an expert, not only just in nuclear energy, but in just in energy in general, what are some of the things that the public needs to be concerned about in terms of this, this proposed takeover? Sure. Well, um, Exelon's sole purpose for coming and trying to take over Pepco um, is to be able to, you know, to, to massively increase um, its its revenues. And uh, Exelon is is a company that's in real trouble right now. Um, they are the, as you mentioned, the largest nuclear power company in the country. Uh, this merger would also make them the largest utility company in the country. Um, but even with the 10 million customers that they have, their nuclear business outweighs even, you know, even, you know, even, even the, the Pepco side of the company. And, um, you know, excellent. That, that said, Exelon's nuclear business is in real trouble. The cost of running nuclear power plants is going up as these plants are getting really, really old. And about a quarter of Exelon's nuclear power plants, or more than a quarter, are in danger of having to shut down. And so Exelon is getting a lot of pressure from Wall Street to basically do whatever it can to, uh, to boost its profits. And that's really what, what the takeover of Pepco is all about. And, uh, and their intention is, is, is to raise rates as much as they can. You know, both, um, raising rates on the on the basic delivery Pepco service, um, but also they want to use this sort of unprecedented monopoly that they would that they would assemble by taking over Pepco um, as a way to also increase uh, how much money they're making off their nuclear power plants as well. And so, you know, this is Exelon is really a company that should not exist. In fact. Um, you know, back in the 1930s, when there were, you know, when the when the U.S. government busted up major cartels and you know, in tons of different industries, including the utility sector, uh, they put in laws like the Public Utilities Holding Companies Act that prevented companies like Exelon from existing. Mm. Um, mm -hmm. And you know, and now, just as we see with you know, with with free trade agreements, and you know, and the uh, and you know, the advancement all the way up to the TPP, um, that all of these all of these protections are have been have been stripped away over the last several decades. And you know, there are certain businesses that can't be offshored, you know, like the like the generation and delivery of electricity. Um, but the corporations that are involved in that business are no less rapacious than the ones that that are pushing things like the TPP. Mm -hmm. Chantal, did you have a question? Um. I was wondering what will happen next. So um, at this point, um, after the hearing, uh, there's uh, still some time for people to submit testimony. Um, so people can be writing to the PSC and submitting their opinions on this. And we encourage everyone to do it. We're encouraging the ANC, the ANCs, to go back and weigh in again and and reinforce the idea that this 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 is a bad deal and the PSC should reject it. And there's going to be a period of legal briefs being filed by um, by the different parties that have been involved in the proceeding, including DC Sun and Grid 2.0 and some of the real strong public interest advocates that have been involved in this. And then within a couple of months, the PSE is going to make a decision. And, um, and it, you know, between now and then, um, it's you know, it's going to be everybody's anybody's guess what happens. So, what are the changes that they made to make the deal look better? Um, well, I mean, that's sort of what's interesting about about it with the sense of political scandal around this thing. There's, I mean, the, the, the deal that they reached, you know, I mean, is really has almost nothing of substance in it. Um, the things that the, there are three things mostly that they talk about. Uh, these are the these are the main talking points you'll hear. So uh, they increased what they called the consumer investment fund by twenty five million dollars. 
um, which they are trying to pitch as a as basically rate relief um, for DC ratepayers in the amount of twenty five million dollars over the next four years. Uh, I know at first they said that we would all get fifty dollars, like that's really going to help me. But yeah, so is this the same thing? Like instead of fifty, I'll get like sixty or something? Well, it's that that the, there's still that that's still on the table. So people <laughs> within a couple of, within a few months would get a fifty dollar rate credit on their bill, and that's on average. Some people would get one time rate credit. And then, um, you know, there's been a, there's Exelon and Pepco have tried to talk about like there being a four year rate freeze, like they're not going to raise rates for the next four years, and that's completely untrue. Uh, the Exelon's going to be able to submit requests to increase electricity rates from the get go um, for the next four four years. Um, this twenty five million dollars is basically crediting ratepayers' bills against those rate increases. Mm -hmm. So basically, it's like an anesthetic, right? They're gonna, they're gonna, they're gonna give us painkillers to stop us from feeling the impact of these rate increases. Mm -hmm. And then in twenty nineteen, after the next mayoral election, okay. after the next mayoral election, those rate increases are gonna hit our bills, and they're gonna hit our bills not just in the amount that uh, that didn't get credited, but with five percent interest on top. Wow! Wow! <laughs> well. Uh you were going to say something about scandal, and so I want to make sure you address what is Soccergate and what is this controversy and scandal around Fresh Pack. Apparently, explain what that is. Sure. Well, this has been a lot in the media, and we've been drawing attention to uh, you know to this uh, to these connections between these political scandals that are erupting at the same time as this deal is getting pushed through. Uh, you know, the PSC rendered their rendered their decision in August. Um, Exelon and Pepco immediately started intense negotiations with the Bowser administration uh, to come up with this to come up with the settlement offer. During that same time, um, this this Fresh Pack uh, political action committee was founded by a lot of Mayor Bowser's corporate supporters uh, that started raising money. Uh, essentially, to uh, to leverage in next year's city council elections against about you know people considered Bowser's political opponents in this city council as political leverage, uh, Pepco and Exelon uh, will not say whether they were asked to give money to Fresh Pack during during this time period when negotiations were going on. They've been asked point blank by journalists whether they were even asked, and they won't respond. Hmm. Um, and at the same time, within a couple of days of the uh, of the the Exelon Pepco deal being announced, uh, Mayor Bowser also announced this deal for naming rights for vague, really vague naming rights. It's either for a street next to the proposed D.C. United Soccer Stadium or for a little park uh, down the street from there, which would be named after Pepco for $25 million. And uh, and the, the timing of this all makes you wonder, given how little is actually in this deal that will actually benefit the people of D.C., what this, what this settlement deal was actually about. Right, but the park or whatever would not be named Pepco Exelon, but but Pepco. Pepco Place for the street or Pepco Park for the for the little park. Wow. Okay, uh, Luke, do we have? Did someone call? Oh, okay, I have a caller. Just say your name and where you're calling from. I have good thirty morning. seconds. <laughs> okay. Good morning, Tesfa from Arlington. Hey, Tesfa. Thirty seconds. Okay. It's okay. It seems as if. The corporation and the government has become one. The corporation has become government. The public who will be paying the bill is opposing it. The experts who studied the matter well are opposing it. But it is being pushed. It looks like the Ethiopian Electric Corporation owned by the Ethiopian government and the Eritrean uh, government is also the corporation, it seems like the dictatorships in our country. All right. And 
there you have it. TESPA has it all wrapped up for us. So um, I've been in conversation with Tim Judson, Director of the Nuclear Resource and Information Service. Do you have any final uh, comments for people, um, how people can connect with you if you'd like to give out that? Sure. So Nears is uh, one of the founders of the Power DC Coalition, which is a uh, coalition of uh, dozens of local um, organizations that have been fighting this thing from the start. And uh, you can find out more information about uh, about the settlement deal and what you can do to oppose it at the Power DC website at PowerDC.org. Um, and you can also uh, send your comments to the Public Service Commission. All the information is right there on the website. Okay. Actually, okay. <laughs> All right. Okay. So that will do it for us on Thursday's Community Watch and Comment, the On the Ground edition. I'm Esther Avera. And I'm Chantal James. And I'm also signing off for Amy Alexander and Jamila Bay of SideEye. Thanks again to our guest, Tim Judson, Director of the Nuclear Resource and Information Service. And thanks to the other members of the On the Ground team, Michael Byfield, DJ Waheed. And thanks to the mighty Luke Stewart on the boards this morning. Thank you, man. And thank you for supporting your station for Jazz and Justice. Speaking of the station, I want to extend my heartfelt condolences to longtime member of the WPFW local station board, Jane Gatewood, on the death of her mother, who joined the ancestors this month at the age of 90. Jane has been the secretary, historian, and conscience of the local station board and WPFW for many, many years. My condolences to Jane and her family. You can reach the On the Ground show at the updated OnTheGroundShow.org website where you can now listen to all of our shows and past shows. Please like our Facebook and Twitter pages at On the Ground Show. Now stay tuned for the news followed by Krista Property on the Thursday edition of Don't Forget the Blues. Raise your voice out there. Peace. Yeah,